Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Costa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys episode 18. It's our look at the upcoming week one of the wildcard playoff action across the NFL. And like every year in the playoffs, this episode is Browns free. In just a moment, we'll get into uh, news of the week. But first with me as always, from Almost Wise Guys Central is Andy, the prognosticator Attridge. Happy New Year, Matty. Happy New Year to you too, buddy. It's uh, good to get into another playoff season, even though our two teams are not in it. No, but... Um... I think we should both be a little bit excited that uh, we we finished off the season respectably. Uh, my team won five in a row with uh, made a big trade. Made a big trade with uh, with Jimmy GQ. Um, so that's that's very positive. And I think and I think Trubisky actually has promise if they take the training wheels off him and let him actually run an offense. Yeah, I mean, I think we were we were texting during that game. Like it took them to the fourth quarter to figure out that they actually could throw the ball down the field. Yeah, they finally started letting him. Maybe the coaches yeah. should realize, hey, man, why do you care? Just let him go. Well, it obviously up. looks like you're going to have a new coach, and I'm not sure who, what the rumor mill has. But um, Yeah, there's there could have been 15 coaches this year that, that you know got the turf. But I think if they fired every coach that needed to get fired in the NFL, they'd have nobody to replace him. Yeah, I, I heard numbers, like official numbers, were like, be, yeah, between 12 and 15 guys theoretically could have gone – um, it's 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 odd who was let go and and who wasn't, but we can get into that a little later. Yeah, for sure. How about uh, we get to news of the week? All right. Um, well, according to CNN, a massive bombogenesis, an area of rapidly declining low pressure, will wreak havoc in the northeast this week, threatening hurricane force winter wind gusts and blinding snow the bombogenesis will result in what's known as a bomb cyclone and the bomb cyclone expected to strike thursday will likely dump six to twelve inches of snow in new england and hurl 60 40 to 60 mile per hour gusts by the end of this week parts of the northeast will be colder than mars there's been way too much ice and snow this week knowing that hell is frozen over Maybe it makes sense that Hugh Jackson and Marvin Lewis managed to keep their jobs. Yeah, if there was a nuclear war, and according to the president, there might be, the only thing remaining would be cockroaches, radio shacks, and Hugh Jackson's tenure as the head coach for the Browns. Trump used his White House soapbox to give NASA a shot in the arm this week. He said he wants to send astronauts to the moon and then to walk on Mars. Yeah, Matty. I've heard he's been really into space travel for a long time, ever since he mistakenly thought it was a good thing that his fourth grade teacher called him a space cadet. Pittsburgh Steelers offensive coordinator Todd Haley suffered a hip injury after he was shoved down outside a bar near Heinz Field on New Year's Eve, according to official sources. A Pittsburgh police spokeswoman told NFL Network's Mike Garofalo that prior to an incident outside the bar, Haley's wife Christine was involved in a, quote, minor scuffle that quickly ended inside the bar. 
Todd Haley was not involved nor injured during the altercation inside the bar, the spokeswoman said. No one was injured in the initial incident, but the drama continued outside the bar, according to the NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, who said Todd Haley was shoved to the ground in a second altercation. You know, I thought only old ladies fall and hurt their hips. Hey Haley, you're not an octogenarian. Your bones shouldn't be that brittle. Why don't you try a warm glass of milk after Matlock and Murder, she wrote. Get a little calcium in you. Ow! My bones are so brittle. But I always drink plenty of... milk. And for God's sakes, next time a ruffian tries to have his way with you in the streets, you let him have it with your purse. That'll give you a good story next time you're at the salon with the ladies. Well, it is nice to see their coaches fired up. Uh, hopefully the rest of their offense will be uh, as well next week. In fairness, hang on. It's nice to see the coaches fired up. Hopefully the rest of their offense will be too next week. In fairness to Todd Haley, I also would probably get into a bar fight after almost losing to the Browns in Week 17. No, we don't. Try being objective for once in your... Ooh. Let's go, Homer. But you don't understand, Marge. I have 50 bucks riding on this game. Don't no, forget big Homer, double interaction. You promise me. Sure this isn't gambling, 12, 30, Marge. It's a lead pipe cinch. Here's the kickoff. Well, he takes it at the five. And, oh, my, he fumbles. No, oh, no. the end zone. Another touchdown. No. He's in this Come Well, speaking of fired up, let's fire it up with our weekly picks. Game one, AFC game at Arrowhead Stadium. And this is a nine point favorite for the home team over the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, before uh, before we get to the official pick on this one, let me just sort of make an argument for the Titans. Uh, because I think they seem to be entirely dismissed as a possible uh, winner of this match. One thing that sort of pisses me off are the way the guys are talking about Dick LeBeau and his defensive style being antiquated and not terribly effective. Dick LeBeau was drafted into the league in the fifth round in the 1959 season. Prior to that, he won a national championship with The Ohio State. As a player, made the Pro Bowl three times and had 62 career INTs that included four touchdowns. He's been a coach in the league since 1973 and is the proud owner of two Super Bowl rings. He invented the zone blitz. Ron Jaworski said about him, Dick LeBeau is arguably the best ever to coach defense. He has done it on such a consistent basis over a long period of time. Dick LeBeau has forgotten more about defensive schemes than most guys will ever know. Say what you want about how the Titans kind of backed into the playoffs. They are fourth in the league against the run, allowing less than 90 yards rushing per game. They have a running back in Derrick Henry who won the Heisman Trophy two seasons ago. Their quarterback, Marcus Mariota, won the Heisman Trophy three seasons ago when his pick seven, sorry, second overall. Although KC did get off to a hot start, notably beating the defending Super Bowl champs in week one, they also went on a stretch this year where they lost six of seven games that included losses to the Giants, the Raiders, the Jets, and the Cowboys, all of whom failed to make the playoffs. Yes, this game is at Arrowhead. And yes, Andy Reid is probably a better coach than Mike Malarkey. I just don't like this nine-point spread. 
What do you think, Maddie? Well, first of all, I think anybody that's got a problem with Dick LeBeau has got a problem with themselves and doesn't yeah. know about football. Because if you right. talk shit about Dick LeBeau, you are speaking from a pure standpoint of ignorance. Like that is just like there's I'm not even a Titans fan. I was never really a Steelers fan, but because I'm a Bears fan, I'm a fan of defense. And Dick LeBeau, his name is synonymous with defense. Wherever that guy goes, he can coach him up if he gets yeah. the players or not. His systems and what I like about Dick LeBeau is he has his system, but he always tweaks it just enough for different players, right? Because if he's got a good guy here or a good guy at linebacker or a special guy like Troy Polamalu at safety, he's able to incorporate their styles into his system. It's He's a brilliant coach. So that being out of the way, though, um, dude, I was thinking Chiefs. I think you just talked me into the Titans. Well, let's, you know, let's look at the coaching. Uh, well, and, and well, let's, and let's look also, at Andy Reid. Yeah, I mean, th- yes. The Chiefs in their last eleven games in the playoffs, they're one in ten straight up and one in ten against the spread. And in fact, since nineteen ninety one, they are zero and seven against the spread at home in playoff games. So, uh, as I say, I don't. I know that Casey has the ability to put up a lot of points, and Tennessee certainly doesn't. But I think in a game like this, uh, Tennessee's going to keep it a lot tighter than. Uh, nine points. And here's another thing about the nine points. I think it's artificially high for this reason. Teasers, which are now uh, represented an increasing percentage of wagers in Vegas, uh, now have to be acknowledged by the bookmakers. So whereas you had a line that probably, I think it opened at eight or eight and a half, you could have teased that down through the touchdown under the field goal. Well, now the books actually have to compensate for that. So this is what I would call, or it's called, teaser protection at nine points. So you can only take it down to exactly a field goal. So I think for that reason, this line is artificially inflated just by a little bit. But, you know, it's the playoffs, so every point counts. I'm uh, My official pick is going to be the Tennessee Titans at plus nine. I'm with you, buddy. I think the Titans uh, on the road at Arrowhead. It's going to be really tough for them to win it on the money line to come out of there with an actual win. But nine points is a large spread for a playoff game like this. Well, I think of all the, the both the AFC teams that are um, underdogs by more than a touchdown. I mean, I think Tennessee's got the ability to uh, to lay a big goose egg, if you will, and uh, you know Tennessee's probably more likely to to cover and, and and win outright more than Buffalo is. But we'll talk about that a little later too. Well, how about we go to the second game on Saturday afternoon, the L.A. Rams hosting a home game in their inaugural season for the playoffs. That's pretty sweet. They're uh, hosting the Atlanta, Atlanta, not the Atlanta Rams. They're hosting the Atlanta Falcons at home, and uh, they're five-and-a-half-point favorites. 48-and-a-half-point over-under. Yeah, well, this game this game's really intriguing, obviously, for a lot of reasons. Yeah, the Falcons, who... You know, with 17 minutes left, looked like they were going to win the Super Bowl last year, and now you got this reinvigorated Rams team uh, with a very young head coach and a second-year quarterback and a third-year running back who's you know in contention. Well, what do you think MVP. about what do you think about the lack of experience there? What's your take well, on experience? I think that it's overrated. I think I think people put too much emphasis on experience. But this is significantly different here. This isn't like, you know, Atlanta has one or two more playoff appearances. It, it, like, 
the amount of experience that Atlanta has uh, on that roster versus uh, the playoff experience on the Rams roster is it's pretty significant. We don't know what Jared Goff looks like in the playoffs. We know what Matt Ryan looks like. Yeah. Um, I think where the biggest mismatch is in this um, is Wade Phillips being the defensive coordinator and going against Steve Sarkeesian uh, for the Falcons because he, obviously we've heard about it a lot this year. There's been a huge drop-off uh, since Kyle Shanahan left the team in terms of their offensive production and the schemes that they drop. So I, they still have all the weapons, or most at least most of the weapons that they did last year. Um, you know, if, if Freeman isn't good to go, you know, Coleman can still step up. Um, last I checked, Julio Jones could still catch a football. Um, Matty Ice, he's called that for a reason. He's cool under pressure. I don't know. It sounds like I'm talking myself into taking the Falcons. <laughs> um, I am going to throw out one. It, it's a betting trend. I, evaluate it for what you will, but the number is pretty significant. So in their last 13 games at night, the Falcons are 10-3 and three against the spread. In the Rams' last 14 games at night, they are 3-11 and 11 straight up and against the spread. I don't know how much that's going to come into play here. Atlanta typically does um, play well on the road on the West Coast. This line dropped from 6.5 to 5.5, which is significant in, for, in one respect. If this game goes to overtime and it's decided by a touchdown and it's a Rams touchdown – that, that spread comes into play. It's it's a little bit better than no man's land. So it's significant that way. I do believe that the, the Rams are a more well-rounded team, and we've talked about this earlier in the season. They, I mean, they do it on offense, they do it on defense, they do it on special teams. And I think they're, on paper, they're a superior team. Jeez. Um, uh, well, you here's my take on experience. Uh, <clears throat> Um, I think it is overrated. You're absolutely right. People do make too much of it. However, it's not a non-factor. And I heard a UFC fighter explain it the best about uh, being in the big moment, like your first time being in it. And he equated it to like skydiving. If you've never been skydiving before, on the way up in the plane, you're like, holy fuck. I'm, what the hell am I doing here? What, what's going to happen? You, it's, it's all the unknown, right? Once you've been there and you've skydived, you don't have that anxiety or you might have some, but it's not going to be what it once was. So it's the same kind of thing. So if Atlanta wants to take advantage of any inexperience, though, they're playing a bunch of professionals. So the inexperience is going to be on the first, like, first few, um, you know, downs. Drives. Yeah, first few drives even, you know. You're going to have jitters on offense and defense that maybe have to get worked out. But if L.A. comes out and they play through those first couple drives, they can hold them on D and they can get something started on offense, game's over. I think L.A. wins it. And especially with the spread coming down. Like at six and a half, I was iffy on the Rams. At five and a half, I'm willing to take them. Well, and and the other thing, too, is I I think what's built into this line is the recency effect of Week 17. I mean, Atlanta needed to win to get in the playoffs, right? And the Rams would almost have, preferred uh, to be the four seed because that would have meant they get to play uh, Philly with Nick Foles, yeah. uh, pr- provided that they win this game. So that's why they're arresting Jared Goff. That's why they, they were arresting uh, Todd Gurley and and Donald. Uh, there's a, 
you know, these guys are well rested, whereas Atlanta in a must win situation kind of give it a full out effort. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the home team um, at five and a half. Let's go Rams. All right, we move to Sunday afternoon. The Jacksonville Jaguars, eight and a half point favorites over the Buffalo Bills. And uh, the Bills aren't getting any respect, are they? Uh, no. No, as Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield has told us, they're not getting no respect. But you can understand why. Um, they did back into that spot. Well, they're, you know, they won their last three regular season games by beating Miami twice and the Colts once. Okay. Um, and, but Jackson, they needed they needed wins from other teams to get them in, though. Oh, absolutely! It was almost like a Super Bowl atmosphere when uh, when Andy Dalton threw yeah. that pass down the field. Yeah. <laughs> I heard that. Um, I heard that. Oh, I can't remember the name of the pub in Buffalo, but they sent. I think it was thirteen thousand Buffalo Wings uh, wow. to Cincinnati to thank them for uh, for showing up <laughs> and getting them into the playoffs because it's awesome. been a hell of a long time since they've been there. The nineteen nineties. Um, and that was obviously that famous game against the uh, Tennessee Titans and the Music City Miracle. Um, Jacksonville hasn't hosted a, uh, a playoff game at home in 17 years. So it's this is new for both both teams both and both the fan bases. I'm kind of happy for them both. You know, last week, Jacksonville. Yeah, me too. Was, I'm happy for both franchises. This is a yeah. good spot for both of them. And Jacksonville last week, I mean, don't worry about the fact that they lost. They weren't playing for anything. They were locked into the third seed regardless. So uh, I'm not going to fault them for, for that. You know, Blake Bortles at the beginning of December actually looked like a, a legitimate NFL quarterback. I don't know if that's going to continue. Um, but my take on the game is is this. Now, these right now the over-under is at 39.5. So obviously with two great defenses, the expectation is that it's going to be a low-scoring game. Yeah. So if it's going to be a low-scoring game, uh, what Buffalo, I think, would do or should do is just put eight guys in the box and shut down Leonard Fournette and force Jacksonville to make Blake Bortles win the game for them, throwing the ball downfield. And that's usually when he makes mistakes. That's a great strategy. I, I fully agree with you. Stack the box, force, yeah, and force the, Bortles the other to thing- make a mistake. Yeah, forcing him to make a mistake in this line, you know, it's bounced around between nine. Actually, it opened at seven, and I actually grabbed it at seven with some juice, knowing that it was going to go up. But, um, you know, Shady McCoy wasn't expected to play, or if he was, it was going to be limited. But he came out yesterday and saying, you know, his ankle wasn't nearly as bad as he thought. So I don't know if he's just just saying that to give him extra things to think about. Um, If he is in the role, maybe he's just a decoy a McCoy decoy, if you will. Uh, but anyway, his presence is going to mean something. And what what if Tyrod breaks off for like 70 or 80 yards rushing himself? Uh, I, I just think that the, they're going to keep it closer than, than nine points or eight and a half, whatever it's sitting at right now. Um, now, the other thing I did want to look at uh, and talk about is the over-under on this. As I said, it's it's below 40 right now. Um, and I think they're going to take it over 40. In fact, the last five times these two teams have matched up, the total has gone over in all five of them. And the average total score in those five games was 55 points. Wow. So, 
Yeah. Um, so maybe so the move, run. maybe the smart move is the over on this game because I, I probably I, I, I don't mean, think that I don't think picking Jacksonville is a cinch, and I don't think picking Buffalo is a cinch for this spread. This spread, I think, is a, a really tight one for. Well, for Jacksonville has had some impressive wins by big margins this year. They have, uh, but Buffalo in the last seven on the road against the Jags are five and two against the spread. That's that's going to mean something. So. That is. Uh, my official pick is going to be the Buffalo Bills, and if you want to have a little extra fun, uh, go nuts on the over. And last but not least, we go to the big sleazy, New Orleans. With George and Wheezy? <laughs> they're down. Uh, they're uh, six-and-a-half-point favorites at the Superdome against uh, the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, well, the Saints have already beaten the Panthers twice this year. Uh, once at home by 10, and the other on the road by 21. <sighs> well, the, when they when they won at home by 10, that was when Cam Newton was just coming back off that surgery. I think he just started playing on week three. So he looked a little shaky and just trying to get back into the groove. So let's kind of count that one out. But the Panthers really have very few receiving options. Uh, they got rid of Calvin Benjamin midseason, obviously, uh, to go to Buffalo. Funches is now figuring out that he can be a, a good wide receiver once he gets the ball. Greg Olson's back in the lineup. Um, I think that's a big one. Olson is a former, well, as a Bears fan, and he's a former Bear. Uh, I I can attest to that guy's ability to to change a game. He's, oh, he's, for sure. He's a big, big piece for Carolina if they want to move, especially with the way Cam Newton has to throw the ball. Right, he's not looking all over the field. He's, no, he's, he's not. got a couple reads. He's got a couple check downs, and right. that's about it. And the tight end is always important in a scheme like that because they're an excellent outlet if if the X and Y receiver aren't aren't open. Yeah, I would I would say I would grade them at around C minus on their use of Christian McCaffrey this year. I think they could have utilized them a little better. Yes, uh, it's possible though that he could still have a big game uh, this weekend. I don't know this line. I I just this is one of those ones that I I just didn't like it. Um, you know, let's talk about New Orleans for a second. They've got that awesome one-two punch in their backfield with Ingram and uh, uh, Kamara. Yeah, that's and that's a luxury that Drew Brees is not used to having. Like, he's no, not it takes throwing. a lot. Of, it takes a lot of stress off of him. Sure. Well, he doesn't have to throw the ball fifty times just to win a game, right? And when he because does, and when he does, the defense has to honor the run. Absolutely keeps them honest, and he's not used to having um, a legitimate defense behind him either. Right. For years, they were ranked last or second to last um, when when Ryan was their coordinator. But now they've got uh, now they got Latimer, who's wow, that guy. He'll probably be the rookie of the year, I think, um, or at least defensive rookie of the year. That kid, that kid's playing awesome. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited about this game probably more than than the others. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one to watch. That's for sure. Yeah. So I don't know. What are you thinking, Maddie? I'm thinking that New Orleans is going to win this one. I, I agree with you. They've won by 10 and 21 already, and that 21 on the road. I mean, with with the defense, the running game, and then you add Drew Brees on top of that. That's a yeah, recipe for success, man. That's a recipe for success. Yeah, they've had really uh, good number. I think they're 7-1 and one at home this year against the spread. Uh, which is good, and typically in the playoffs, you know, teams don't take their foot off the gas when they get a lead. They just keep running up the score. Yep. So as long as they're playing as well as they can, I think New Orleans is the better team here. Um, Sean Payton's been 
been to the dance before. He knows what's involved. So is Drew Brees. So, yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna lean to the Saints. Uh, they go marching in. And what do you think about the over under on this game? Forty eight, a little high. Well, okay, let's look at the things we just talked about. You've got right. uh, you've got that one two punch with Ingram and uh, Kamara. So that's gonna eat uh, up some clock, right? You got. Um, you know, Cam likes running the ball himself. I think he's still their leading rusher on the team, but uh, they also have a capable backfield. These two teams ranked, I think it was 29th and 30th uh, in terms of the amount of time it takes them to get a playoff. So they don't seem to be in a hurry to get up to the, the line of scrimmage and snap the ball. So for that reason, I think that 48 is is uh, a, a bit high. People kind of look at their offenses and go, oh, yeah, they're flashy offenses. But if you look at the pace of the game, it's actually pretty slow, almost painfully slow. So I think uh, a look to the under here is probably the right, right side on that one. Well, thank you to all our fans for listening to Episode 18 of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes so you don't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our Facebook fan page for additional content and picks from all week one playoff games across the NFL. Make sure you join us next week where we break down the divisional playoff games from the Cosa Nostra Studios for Andy the Prognosticator Attridge back at Almost Wise Guys Central. I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. It's a god-awful small affair To the girl with the mousy hair But her mummy is yelling no And her daddy has told her to go But her friend is nowhere to be seen Now she walks through her sunken dream To the seat with the clearest view and she's hooked to the silver screen But the film is a sad thing for For she's lived it ten times or more She could spit in the eyes of fools As they ask her to focus on
It's about to be writ again As I 